Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 24. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss a common sign in an emergency, shock. What it is and what you can do about it. New possible treatments for a frustrating dog disease called Cushing's disease. And then lastly, going to discuss a somewhat controversial topic, according to some people. Is it safe to sleep with your pets? You're going to hear my opinion. Now Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher. You can download the Stitcher app and search for Veterinary Secrets. I would definitely appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast. And if you do so, I'd love to have you leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Any questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog. And that's at veterinarysecrets.com com forward slash blog or you can send in an email at podcast veterinarysecrets.com now let, let's get right into today's podcast first how to treat your dog or cat for shock well shock occurs in a number of ways from car accidents to bite wounds bleeding um, hyperthermia that's elevated body temperature the list is huge because it can happen in so many ways you really should know how to initially treat your dog or cat for shock but listen carefully because there's a good chance that you're going to be treating your pet for shock emergencies really do happen. First of all, what is it? It's a life-threatening condition which occurs as a result of a serious injury or illness. It can progress to collapse and death. What are some of the clinical signs? Your pet can have pale or white gums. You can examine the gums by gently lifting the upper lid to expose the gums. Sometimes the gums are pigmented, so look around all around your pet's mouth. Dogs such as the chow are really difficult to assess if they have naturally dark pigmented gums. If the gums are pale or white, your pet is going to need urgent veterinary attention. Some of the other signs, rapid heart rate and weak rapid pulse. The heart rate often exceeds 150 beats per minute in a dog. There's very rapid breathing. Your pet may may appear woozy and weak. They often have difficulty standing. Shock occurs when there's a collapse of the circulatory system that's made up of the heart, blood vessels, and blood due to a variety of possible causes. Blood loss. Bleeding can be external or internal. Blood can be lost into the chest, between the ribs and the lungs, into the abdomen, around the organs, or into the organs themselves, such as the bladder. There may be no obvious signs the bleeding as occurs if it's internal. The volume of the blood in the vessels then becomes insufficient for your pet's body's needs. Fluid loss. Fluids lost to the body, for example through vomiting and diarrhea, are drawn from the entire body, including the blood, causing dehydration and loss of blood volume. And then this can lead to shock. For example, many parvovirus cases lead to shock. There can be decreased blood pressure due to pain, spinal cord injury, infection, or poisoning. So then what should you do? First, to your veterinarian as soon as possible. Any sign of shock requires urgent veterinary care with IV fluids. Then you can consider applying some of the following solutions while you're transporting your pet to the vet. First, assess severity. You know, check breathing and heartbeat. If you can see the chest rise and fall, then you know that your pet is breathing. If they're not breathing, you need to perform rescue breathing. You want to do this by wrapping your hands around your pet's muzzle and breathe into their nose. Their chest should rise. You want to give 8 breaths per minute, that's 2 breaths every 15 seconds. If the chest doesn't rise, then you need need to know how to do the HIMAC. And I actually have a video on my YouTube channel, so after this podcast, you can go to that YouTube channel, just search for the Internet Pet Vet or search for Venerary Secrets, and then search for the video on what to do if your pet is choking. CPR. The next step is to feel for a heartbeat by placing your hand behind the left elbow on the chest. If the heart is stopped, then you need to begin 
CPR, and that's cardiac massage. The quick summary is performing, you want to perform in very rapid compressions. We're doing two compressions a second. You want to perform 30 compressions, that's within a 15 second period, followed by two rescue breaths. And so you're giving a lot, you're giving 120 compressions per minute. Once again, this is much better seen than it is, is explained via a podcast. So just once again, go to my YouTube channel after the podcast and search for CPR. And so you can see me do the Heimlich, what to do if your pet is choking, as well as how to perform CPR correctly. Then stopping the bleeding. So if your dog or cat is obviously bleeding, you need to apply direct pressure to the wound. Use whatever is available, gauze, soft cloth, or a towel. Don't remove the cloth if it soaks through. Apply another one on top and continue keeping the pressure on. Keep your pet warm. Hot water bottles filled with warm water can be placed around your dog or cat, especially against the stomach. Don't use boiling water. Wrap the bottles up in towels to prevent burns. Wrap your pet loosely in a blanket or a jacket. The disrupted circulation can cause hypothermia, that's low body temperature, making the shock even worse. Some sweetening. Pets with signs of shock often have low blood sugar. In these cases, raising blood sugar can be helpful. So you can just go ahead and rub honey or corn syrup onto your pet's gums. Stabilize fractures. Sometimes it's not possible to transport your pet immediately. If this is the case, then it is important to make your pet as comfortable and pain-free as possible. For instance, if your pet has broken its leg, especially if it's a large dog, for instance, and you're going to need help getting your pet into the car. Splinting the leg will help control pain and help manage the degree of shock. Don't give any painkillers without the advice from your veterinarian. And lastly, I want to discuss a homeopathic shock remedy. It's a great one you should all have on hand. It's called Arnica. Um, It's an effective pain remedy and treatment for shock. The dose is two 30C tablets. So typically I'm giving one 30C capsule um, for every 10 to 20 pounds of body weight. And that can be, enduring a, a period of crisis sh- such as shock, that can be given every 15 minutes. Now the second part of today's podcast, I wanted to discuss new possible Cushing's treatments, um, which are getting to the root cause. As a prom- prominent endocrinologist is saying veterinarians may soon be able to do more than just treat the clinical science. So Dr. Dave Brett, he estimates that every year there's 90 to 100,000 new cases of Cushing's disease diagnosed in geriatric dogs. It's making it the most common endocrine disease in older canine patients. So what is it? Cushing's disease is an overproduction of the hormone cortisol, which produces the signs of excessive drinking and urinating. Cortisol is produced by the adrenal gland and is usually released during times of stress, you know, such as fear. But the cortisol alters the metabolism, preparing for fight or flight by releasing fat, sugar, and then help also retaining water and sodium. But when this occurs over time, your pet's body is seriously affected, resulting in many, many of the clinical signs, such as muscle wasting. Cushing's disease is most often seen in small breed older dogs. The biggest clinical signs are increased drinking and urinating. Many dogs have a distended swaying abdomen. The excess cortisol causes loss of abdominal muscle. Many dogs have skin changes, such as hair loss and a sparse hair coat. At times, the hair loss is symmetric, that's even on both sides. In most dogs, there's an increased appetite and excessive panting. These dogs typically have been tested for other causes of increased drinking, such as diabetes, kidney disease, liver disease, and all the other tests have come back negative. So many of the cases then are typically treated with drugs. They're fairly toxic veterinary drugs, such as mitotain or trilostane. 
which reduce cortisol and help with clinical signs, but neither works at the level of the gland that's causing the problem, that's a pituitary gland. So Dr. Burat, he's the medical director at VCA West LA Animal Hospital, says that dopaminergic drugs may provide another treatment option. Historically, we've used medications that attack the adrenal. We don't address the primary problem, which is the pituitary tumor. Up to 40% of these tumors overexpress. This is a type of receptor called D2 dopamine receptor, he says, and drugs that bind to this receptor actually shrink the tumors. They also decrease production of a a specific hormone called ACTH, which which then helps lower cortisol. So these drugs are actually treating the clinical signs of Cushing disease as well as getting to the root cause. There's a drug that's commercially available called capergoline, which was used in a large number of dogs in a study out of Argentina, and the drugs seem to be quite effective in normalizing clinical signs as well as shrinking the tumors, at least in dogs with relatively small tumors, says. Further studies have examined the receptor abnormalities expressed by the pituitary tumors that cause Cushing's, he continues. Researchers are actively looking epithelial growth factor receptor, EGFR antagonist, as well as somatostatin receptor antagonist. Brett says use of a human drug called periisotoid SST2 receptor antagonist looks promising for treatment of dogs as well. A recent study in dogs with fairly small tumors showed that not only did they get reductions in ACTH and reductions in urine cortisol, creatinine ratios, but also modest shrinkage in some of these tumors, he says. Large, larger studies will examine whether use of drugs such as this one are effective for treating dogs with larger tumors without radiation and surgery. And his last statement is hopefully some of these newer treatments that have become recently available for people will also become available in dogs. Then the last section of the podcast I wanted to discuss is a sort of somewhat controversial topic called did you sleep with your pets? Is it Could it be harmful? There was a recent university study which suggests that there are big risks of sleeping with your pet. The two authors of the study claim that there are private places in the household, and these authors think that our pets should not go beyond those next to the bed. And the one author, Cromel, says, Having a stuffed animal in your bed is fine, but not a real one. Cromel and the co-author, Ben Sun, chief veterinarian with the California Department of Public Health, did an extensive search of medical journals and turned up up a hair-raising list of possible pathogens. Yes, there's the plague, yes, bubonic plague, Chagas disease, which can cause life-threatening heart and digestive system disorders, cat scratch disease, which can also come from just being licked by an infected cat. They reported on several cases of plague in New Mexico over the last 10 years. It It was transmitted by fleas found by pets who slept with their owners. A number of cases of cat scratch disease were linked to sleeping with or being licked by an infected cat. Other diseases that are commonly shared with people are hookworms and roundworms. These worms are carried by almost all puppies and kittens and estimated that about 10,000 people in the U.S. each year contract roundworms. Though many people love getting licked or planting a kiss on their pet, it may not be such a good idea, the authors say. It's rare, but it happens. That's what good, that's, and they're claiming that's why good hygiene means keeping fluffy and spot next to the bed, not on it. So, you know, what do I think? Yes, this is a study of a few university researchers justifying their positions, and in my opinion, they're not really adding anything valuable to society. Now, currently, there's over 150 million dogs and cats in the United States and Canada, and guess what? I'll bet you nearly half of those 75 million are sleeping on somebody's bed. And with all those 75 million supposedly potentially disease-causing pets, um, there's just a teeny fraction of percent, maybe 0.1%, that actually cause any type of disease. You personally have a much higher chance of being struck by lightning 
And then I would go on to make the point that our pets, our dogs and cats that sleep in our beds, they give us huge emotional support and connection. And then by doing so, they're giving us huge health benefits. You know, our pets are keeping us healthy, preventing, and in some cases, even treating diseases in the first place. Can you get sick from a pet? Yes, of course you can. The chances of this happening, virtually non-existent. The benefits of pet ownership, massive. Of course, that's my only, my non-licensed veterinary advice. I suggest keep on sleeping with your pets. Let your children sleep with your pets. My pet are all sleeping with my kids and my family. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. I love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to leave comments. You can do so after this podcast post on the blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. You can also send me an email. That's a podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. Take care. and Enjoy sleeping with your pets. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. This is Dr. Andrew. Jones.